Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. For I am the Lord. I am He that raises up. I am He that brings down. Worry not because of words that others have said. The cursing, the judging will go no further. For I am the Lord, I am He that is for you. I have come to renew. I have come to replenish. I have come to restore. For I have raised you up. I have called you out. I have set you up. I knew you while you were yet in your mother's womb. It is I, saith the Lord. Look to me. Trust in me. For I am the one who will strengthen you in the midst of your battle. Amen. Hallelujah. And it's no accident that they would sing that song because I've just been all week, Holy Spirit has just been dealing with me. And I really feel this morning that there are those, whether it's here in this sanctuary or, or listening through live stream, I believe that we're in a season where God is saying, I want to restore. I want, I want to bring back some things. In my simple mind, the only way that I can explain it to you to get you to understand is that God is saying, I have identified some old classics that just need to be restored. So I want you to understand this morning, you're not hearing this by accident. I want to encourage you today, don't let one word, don't let one song, don't let one prayer get past you today because this day is of great importance in the lives of several people that are listening today. Man might count you out. but you are never beyond the reach of a loving Heavenly Father. Isn't it amazing how that God would stop a service and use the gifts of the Spirit to speak a word to you? Even, even further than that, isn't it amazing that God would, would articulate this whole day, this whole service? He would work in the heart of the worship. He would work in the heart of the, the, the ministry just to get a word across. This is how much I love you. This is how much I care about you. Amen? Let's just lift our hands this morning and and just give him some praise. Father, you're so awesome. You are so good. And Lord, we lift our hands this morning and our hearts to you today. We thank you this morning, Father. We thank you for the gift of worship. We thank you for the gift of tongues with the interpretation of tongues. We thank you for the gift of ministry this morning. That all of it works together to paint a picture of just how much you love us. Father, we're so grateful today. We're so honored this morning 
to be able to stand here in this place and celebrate your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Yes, give him a good hand this morning. Thank you, guys, Sister Sandy. Ups, you sat down before I could stop you. Would you stand with me one more time, please, as we read God's Word, Psalm 23. Psalm 23. This might be the last week that we preach out of the book of Psalm 23. It might be, all right? I thought four weeks ago would be the last time the last time that we preached out of the book of Psalm 23. But here we are about a month or a little over a month later and we're still in Psalm 23. I want to read the whole Psalm today, but there's one scripture that I want to focus on. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd we talked about every week that is the key to the entire psalm you cannot receive the blessing of psalm 23 you can't enjoy the green pasture you can't enjoy the still waters unless you understand and have a working knowledge that the lord is your shepherd you can read it, you can memorize it, but when David said, the Lord is my shepherd, he was talking about a relationship. He was talking about an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Many people have a form of something they can say the words, but it is the fruit of a relationship with Christ that bears out. So I want you to understand that before we go any further. That the key to this psalm and the blessings of God's word is the word, the little two-letter word, my. He is my shepherd the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures he leadeth me beside the still waters he restoreth my soul he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, everybody say surely. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Just real quick, take a gander behind you. You might have saw a human being standing behind you, but what you might not have saw or seen is that the goodness and mercy of God followed you in here today. That ain't where I'm going to preach from, I just want to tell you. You need to, you need to get it in your spirit that I'm not being followed by my past anymore. I am being followed by goodness and mercy. 
Brother Goodness and Sister Mercy are always following me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. May God's word prove itself in our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can take your seat. I want you to go back to the third verse of Psalm 23. The third verse of Psalm 23, where it says this, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I want, I want to, to talk to you this morning on the subject of upside down. Upside down. And you say, Pastor, where did you get upside down from Psalm 23? I'm going to explain it to you in just a minute. But right now, I want, you, I want you to understand what I believe David was talking about when he penned these words as the Spirit gave him uh, the, the knowledge when he said, He restores my soul. That word soul is, is a very important word because when we talk about soul, we're talking about three areas in our lives. You and I are what we call trichotomies. You are a body, you have a soul, and a spirit. Your body is what I identify you by. My body is how you identify me. Jesus didn't have to come in the flesh he could have came in the spirit, but he came in the flesh so that we could identify him as a man, as a person. Your body, your, that, that stuff that hangs on your rack of bones is your flesh. That is how you are identified as a person. All right? But you have a soul. And that soul part of you is where, where your mind, your will, and your emotions abide. All right? You have a spirit. Your spirit is that part of you that has the ability to connect with an unseen God. And when David said, he restores my soul, what he was saying was, he restores my mind, he restores my will, and my emotions. All right, so understand what I'm saying this morning. The enemy will attack your body with sickness, and he will try to cause infirmity and things such as that to come on your body. This body is melting away on a minute-by-minute basis. But what the enemy does is that he will attack the body because he wants to get to your soul. We have a soul problem in America. We don't have a body problem. You can go get it added on to, or you can go get it taken away from. You can build it up, or you can shrink it down. You can tighten it up, or you can loosen it up. What you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about plastic surgery and things like that. I'm, I'm going to move on. 
But you can do things to the body and fix it up. And see, we're good at that in the American church. Because we walk in on Sunday morning, we've got our best makeup on, we've got our best hairdo fixed up, we've got our Sunday go-to-meeting clothes on, and we walk in on Sunday morning with a great big smile on our face. Somebody walks up to us and says, how are you today? And we say, oh man, I am doing great. And, and we show our white grill. But in reality, we have walked through the fires of hell all week. We have struggled with oppression. We have struggled under the weight of our past and what people have said about us. We have struggled with this idea that I can never get past my past. We have struggled with family problems. And, and personal problems and all of that and we go to the hospital and the doctor says how are you doing today I'm doing great everything is lovely but in reality we are sick in reality we are hurting why because the enemy has come in and he has affected our minds he has affected my will and my emotions. Let me tell you something. The mind, your mind, is your biggest battleground. It is in your mind that the devil will come and say you're no good, you're no value, you're going to lose, you're never going to make it, you're never going to be successful, and on and on and on. He will do that in your mind. It doesn't matter if you are a tongue-talking Christian. It doesn't matter if you read your Bible uh, eight hours a day and pray the other, ever how many it is. It doesn't matter. Every man and woman of God has mind battles where the enemy will come and war against your mind. Because he knows that if he can win the war in your mind, he can bring you into captivity. And I'm, I tell you, I know I'm speaking to somebody this morning. You need to catch what I'm saying. It is through the mind that the husband begins to be tempted to step out and find him another woman. It is through the avenue of the mind that the young man or young lady is tempted to take one hit of speed or one shot of drugs. And in their mind, they say, I can do this and, and get away with it. And 20 years later, they're struggling with an addiction. Everything. Everything, good and bad, is processed in the mind. Once it gets in your mind, it will begin to affect your will. Your will is that part of you that is a restraining thing. It will either restrain you or it will release you. And once that, once that struggle gets in your mind, then it begins to affect your will. And it will begin to break your will down. And then it moves to your emotions. Then your emotions get involved with what your mind is saying. Your, your emotions get involved with what your will is telling it to do. And... The rest is history. We're living in a world today, and sadly, many people have adopted this in the church, that we think, if it comes to my mind, then it's got to be okay. 
But I want to tell you this morning that God is saying today that the reason that you continue to struggle and you continue to battle areas in your life is because you have not brought the mind under subjection to the authority of the Holy Ghost. I said this the other night. I watched drug addicts. I watched alcoholics walk down the center aisle of the church with a bottle of Jack Daniel's whiskey in their back pocket, swaying from one aisle to the other because they were so drunk they couldn't walk straight, couldn't even hardly walk. And I've seen them get down and put their face down on an altar. And I've seen them begin to pray. And I watched the old saints of God as they would gather around them and begin to pray and begin to touch heaven for them. Him, I watched that same man get up and walk out of that building that night and he left that bottle of Jack Daniels whiskey sitting on the altar and he walked out and, I, and he never touched another drop of alcohol again I watched one night in a Baptist church I was a visitor there as, as a minister, I went to that church that night, and during the song service, a man walked from the back and knelt down in the altar, which was kind of unusual in a Baptist church. Not knocking them, I appreciate some of my past from the Baptist, but... He went down and knelt at an altar. I didn't know this man, didn't know who he was, and, and you know how God works. He's always going to put you on the spot. He said, I want you to go down there and pray for him. I said, Jesus ain't in that. God said, I want you to go down there and pray for him. I went down, knelt down beside him, and put my arm around him. I said, sir... The Lord spoke to me and told me to come and pray for you. What can I pray with you about? He said, I'm an alcoholic. He said, I've been an alcoholic ever since I was a teenager. He said, I've tried every way I could to quit. He said, but I can't get rid of this addiction. We prayed this quiet prayer. It wasn't none of this, devil, come out of him! It wasn't no rebuking or anything like that. Nothing wrong with all that in its time. But we prayed a quiet prayer. And I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, this man has come searching for freedom. You are the one who sets us free. And as I pray with him tonight, I am believing that the power of alcohol is going to be broken from over his life and that you're going to set him free. That man got up from the altar that night, went back to his seat. As far as I know, he never touched another drop of alcohol again. What I'm telling you this morning is to understand this. David prayed this prayer or said these words, He restoreth my soul. And when he said he restoreth my soul, I believe that what David was saying was that my shepherd, the one who loves me, the one who told me that if I would follow him, I would never have any want and that he would put me beside green pastures and still waters. I believe that David was saying my shepherd restores my mind. He gives me back my right mind so that I can think right, so that I can motivate right he restores my will he gives me the ability to look at my past and say it's in the past I'm not going back there anymore he builds me up and says you don't have to be a victim of yesterday anymore and the next thing that David, I believe, was saying was, my shepherd will restore my emotions. He will give me back my emotions. I will no longer walk like a basket case. I will no longer walk a basket of nerves. I will no longer motivate and operate in a spirit of anxiety and frustration. But David said, my shepherd, my shepherd will restore my soul. He will restore. He will give back what the 
mama worm and the locust and the canker have robbed out of my life. Somebody is listening to me this morning and you say, yeah, pastor, all of that sounds good, but it's not doable in my life. It is if you get in touch with the shepherd and quit playing games, quit playing religious games and understand his power in your life. I'm not talking to you about what your daddy did or what your mama did or how they operated. I'm not talking about getting affiliated with a church. I'm talking about getting a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about making up your mind that I am no longer going to follow every little wind that comes by, but I am going to commit myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to serve him. I'm going to follow him. It does Can we put that picture up? I got a picture I want to show you because I want you to understand what I'm saying if we can get it up. There it is. This is a sheep. And it looks weird because he's laying on his back. But if you study sheep a little bit, you'll understand what I'm about to say. Any of you ever heard of a sheep being cast? Okay, that's good, yeah, because y'all are going to say, wow, pastor is so sharp, yeah. <laughs> Listen, a sheep, as far as I know, are some of the only animals that when they, especially in the springtime, in this time of year that we're in, they get heavy with lambs. And their wool, their fleece gets heavy. They will lay down many times on a little incline. And when they lay down, because of the weight in their stomach, they will roll over accidentally and they, come, they become cast. When they roll over like this, they don't have the ability to get back on their feet. And if they're not discovered by the shepherd, they will die in that condition. Read it. Go study it. Go look. That is a cast sheep. I looked at some pictures of cast sheep, and it's very gross when one lays there in that condition for a long period of time because they urinate on themselves, they defecate on themselves, and it's very, very nasty. And eventually, over a few hours, if it's very hot outside, they will dehydrate their internal organs will begin to shut down and they will die. A good shepherd is one who is always watching his sheep. He is always aware. One, two, three. Where's number four? He is always aware, Winston, of one of his sheep that's not with the flock. And he will walk out into the pasture and scan the pasture. And he sees that one little sheep. If you look at that in live action, the sheep is laid on its back. 
and its legs are flailing, trying to get up, trying to roll over, trying to get out of the mess, out of the predicament that it's in, trying to recover its, foot, its footing so that it can get back up, knowing that, that things are happening on the inside of its body that could be deadly, and it's desperately kicking, flailing, trying to get up. He restores my soul. That is what David was talking about when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He will restore my soul. Because the shepherd, the shepherd is always watching. And he's seen that there's people that are listening to me this morning and you are cast down. Life has caused you to be cast down. You are on your back, upside down. That's where that title came from upside down because you try to right yourself but you seem to always wind up upside down remember when Jesus in the book of Luke chapter 15 talked about a man that had a hundred sheep and one of them was missing and that this man, of all things, left the 99 and went out and searched for that one lost lamb. The one that he was searching for was cast. said that he would leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after that one which was lost until he finds it. And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders. And listen, the reason that he would lay it on his shoulders is this, that once a sheep has been cast for a certain amount of time, it loses its ability temporarily to walk. You stand it up, it will fall right back over because it's lost its ability to walk by itself. Therefore, the shepherd would find it and ride it on the right side up. Then he would pick it up and throw it over his shoulders. We had cows that would have calves out in the middle of the field or in the woods, and, and I always got the call by my daddy. Didn't matter if it was raining, snowing, or what. Son, go find the cow, get the calf, put it on your shoulder, and bring it home. And that's the way the shepherd would do. He would get that lamb or that sheep, put it on his shoulders, and, and listen to what would happen. He would lay it on his shoulders rejoicing because you see not only was he rejoicing because he had found that one lost sheep but quite possible that one lost sheep was carrying a child so not only was that one saved but that one represented many others yes yes you're getting it see some of you this morning you have experienced this cast thing and you said to yourself 
nobody cares about me. I'm in this right by myself. But I want to tell you this morning that there is a destiny in you that is much bigger than you. There is something in you that the reason this morning that the, that the shepherd would have you here today and that the shepherd would speak through an under-shepherd of you being cast down is because there is a destiny in you that is greater than what you have been seeing. It is easy for me to do something when it is all about me. But when I recognize that my decisions are going to affect one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people, that's just my immediate family that's in the church. Not to even mention that it's going to affect others. Let me give you an example. In this age that we're living in, temptations are everywhere. But I've got to recognize that as a man of God, I am responsible for a whole multitude of people. That my actions, my attitude, and what I do with my life will not only affect me, but it is going to affect other people. Sir, you need to think about that before you step out with another woman. Some of your wives punching your husband. You need to punch your wife too because they do it as well. I'm using extreme things. You understand what I'm saying. So you see, when David said, <clears throat> he restores my soul, he was simply saying, my shepherd finds me in the worst of conditions, and he sets me up. He establishes my going. In Psalm 42, and I'm got... Never mind. In Psalm 42, <clears throat> David said this. He said, as the deer pants for the water brook, so pants my soul, King James Version, so pants my soul after you, O God. Listen to this. My soul, David said, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is thy God? He goes on down to verse 5 and he says, He asked the question, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance on my life. Several times David says or asks the question, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And I believe that what David was talking about, Why am I struggling so much in my mind? Why am I battling with my will? Why are my emotions so out of control? Then he says, hope thou 
in God. I'm fixing to close. Psalm 51, verse 12. David had committed this grievous sin with Bathsheba. Taking her in when she was another man's wife. Had her husband killed on the battlefield. Lied about it. and Did everything he could to cover it up. Listen, you can't cover things up in the eyes of God. The only thing that will bring healing to your life is complete openness to Him. But David said in Psalm 51 and verse 12, after he realized his mistake and all of that, he cried out to God and he said, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Listen, you cannot restore something Unless it is in disrepair. That very word restore lets us know that God is getting something that is in disrepair. God is working with people that are messed up. When David said, he restores my soul. When he said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, then he's letting us know that David is saying, God, restore me something that I've lost. I had the joy of salvation. God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. So the word restore lets us know that God is, is building back. He is putting back something. And that word restore lets us know that God is putting it back in its original form. Oh, I wish I had some more time. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Sister Sandy Hold up, just, yeah, just wait. He says, and you hath he quickened. That word quickened simply means make alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. That sheep right there, that's country, that sheep right there. That sheep right there will die unless a shepherd comes and picks it up. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the, of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Listen, when God quickens you and makes you alive, you've got to recognize that you've got to quit walking according to your past, that you begin to walk in the newness of mind. Listen to this. And, and I'm, I've landed. I'm on the runway. I'm taxing up to the place there. So just hold up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 says this. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. See, when God does a work in a person's life, he doesn't get rid of your freckles. He doesn't fix your wrinkles. He doesn't fix your weight problem. You do that. But when God does a work in an individual's life, He does it from the inside out. That's the reason that you and I have a treasure inside of these earthen vessels. 
that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm cast down, but I ain't destroyed. I'm troubled on every side, but I'm going to rise above it. I'm perplexed every way I turn, but because I know my shepherd. When I get to the point in my life where I can't go any further, when I get to the place in my life when I've come to a dead end and I feel like I'm not going to be able to write myself up, when I get there, I know that my shepherd is right there with me. And I know that in the middle of all of that, that the rod and the staff, they will comfort me. And I know that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry because I know that my help is soon to be there I know that my Lord is coming and he will never leave me he will never forsake me yea though I walk through the valley I don't have to worry and I don't have to fear because he is with me because my shepherd will take me to a place right in the middle of the field where I became cast down. God will turn me right side up and He will set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Listen. Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 6, he said, talking about some trouble that they were experiencing in Macedonia. Sister Sandy, you guys come. And, and he said in, in verse 5, he said, when we, when we came to Macedonia, listen, just because you are walking in the will of God, don't think that you're not going to experience some trouble. Let me tell you, just because you have made a commitment to Christ, sir or ma'am, does not mean that the past is not going to try to knock on your door. Does not mean that the temptation to go back to your past is not going to tempt you. I was coming over here this morning. This is what Holy Spirit said to me. He said, son, I want you to tell the people. That, that the enemy will take their current situation, remind them of their past, condemn them for ever thinking that they could get past the past, get them to think that their current situation is because of their past, and he will rob them of their future. Paul said, we went to Macedonia. You've heard of the Macedonian call. Paul was in the will of God. They went to Macedonia because God had led them there and told them to go there. But man, when they got to Macedonia, they fought every demonic power of hell you could imagine. I mean, every time they turned around, they were being fought. And, and Paul said this in verse 5 of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. He said, when we got to Macedonia, he said, our flesh had no rest. He said, we were troubled on every side. He said, without were fightings and within were fears. But I like verse 6. It's one of those but God moments. Verse 6 says, Nevertheless, nevertheless, 
God that comforts those that are cast down. He said he comforted us. See, I've always thought about that word cast when he said cast down. I've I've always thought, well, it's talking about somebody that's just been thrown down. Like you would like you would take something and just throw it down. Cast it down. But if you think about the sheep, that's upside down makes a little bit difference would you stand with me please listen as they sing this morning go ahead as they sing this morning I want to open this altar up today And I want to ask you this simple question this morning. Are you upside down? Are you upside down? If you're upside down, if you're struggling, I want to, as they sing this morning, we're going to open this altar up. And here's the deal, guys. Everything that we've talked about this morning has to be applied by faith you can't go by what you're feeling you got to realize that that the enemy right now right at at this part of the service is where the enemy attacks the mind the most some of y'all standing here and you're having visions of the Chinese buffet Some of y'all standing here this morning, and I've spoken to you, but right now, your mind, your mind is giving you every imaginable excuse of why you don't need to respond. But I'm telling you this morning to understand the Lord is your shepherd. If he is, respond to him today.